You're listening to the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast brought to you by Nualtra. My name is Neve Lilliman and I'm a second year student dietitian. Through this podcast, we aim to inspire student dietitians by sharing knowledge and gaining insight from experienced guests. As most RD2Bs have now returned to university for another year of study and UCAS applications for dietetics courses will start to fly in, we want to discuss different journeys to becoming a dietitian. In this episode, we will be joined by two guests, Katie Avis and Zainab Jawed, who are dietetic students at University College London. Along with myself, we will be discussing our individual journeys, experiences and challenges as student dietitians and share tips and advice for an enjoyable and rewarding RD2B journey. I'm really excited to welcome Katie and Zainab as our guests today. I'll hand you over to them to tell them a little bit about ourselves. Hi Neve. Um, firstly, thank you so much for having us on the podcast. It's really great to have the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, so hello, I am Katie. Um, and I'm a second year MSc dietetics student at UCL. Um, in terms of my background, I completed a biomedical sciences BSc at the University of Durham and then went on to do a master's degree in clinical and public health nutrition at UCL. Um, after a year of work in the NHS and also for a private nutrition clinic, I decided to go back to studying and train to be a dietitian. So in my free time, when I'm not working. I do a bit of running. Um, I've recently taken up bouldering, so I'm a bit of a wannabe climber, and I'm a huge foodie, so anything that involves eating, I'm there for it. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Zainab. Thank you so much, Neve, for having us on the podcast today. Um, so like Katie, I'm a student dietitian currently in the second year of my MSc dietetics degree at UCL, um, I completed my BSc in nutrition at London Met University and then gained some work experience in both private and NHS settings before starting my MSc in dietetics. Um, and when I'm not studying or working, I absolutely love to get creative in the kitchen and come up with my own recipes, which almost always turn out to be very delicious if I do say so myself. Okie dokie, thank you for those lovely introductions. Welcome to the podcast, Katie and Zainab. So I'm so pleased you could join us today to talk about our RD2B journeys. Should we get started? Absolutely. Yes. Lovely. So Katie and Zainab, you currently study at UCL as MSc dietetics students. So me, as someone who does a BSc course, um, I'd be intrigued to hear about your decision to do dietetics and your journey to where you are now. Zainab, did you want to start things off? Yeah, sure. Um, So while I was studying for my undergraduate nutrition degree, I wasn't completely aware of what dietitians do. And I think many other nutrition students were in the same boat. Once I finished my degree and began my first full-time job as a nutritionist in a private clinic in London, that's when the difference between the roles of a nutritionist and a dietitian started to become clear to me. I remember my favorite aspect of the job was interacting with people and helping them out with any nutrition related issues. I really enjoyed getting to know my patients and seeing improvements in their health. That was just always very rewarding to me. But deep down, I knew that this setting wasn't for me. I had always wanted to work in a hospital. So after a year and a half of working privately, I came across a dietetic assistant position at one of the busiest hospitals in London. 
it was a maternity cover, so I figured it would be a great chance for me to learn more about the role of a dietitian in a hospital and see if I liked it. Turns out I absolutely loved it and there was no going back for me. I worked with some highly specialist dietitians who were incredibly hardworking and also very supportive of my learning and goals. So that's how I decided that dietetics would be the perfect career path for me. And here I am now in the second year of my MSc in dietetics. Thank you, Zainab. I think it's really interesting that you went from, I suppose, being a nutritionist and working in that setting um, to, to realise that actually that you you wanted to, to go down that dietetic route. I think that's that's quite interesting. I think that's, that is quite a common thing, isn't it? Um, you know, doing the nutrition first and then going on to do dietetics. So it's interesting to hear your story with that. Katie, how about yourself? Yeah, so um, my story is actually quite similar to Zainab's actually. So um, I decided to do a master's in nutrition as I've always had a really keen interest in the impact of food on our health and well-being. Um, once I had finished the course, I started working for the NHS and actually ended up being deployed into the COVID-19 department. And part of my role was um, setting up pop-up vaccination clinics um, to ensure that everyone within my borough um, had access to the jabs. Um, and during this time, I worked with GPs, nurses, HCAs, and other healthcare professionals. And it was amazing to be part of such a dynamic team. Um, yeah, it was, it was just such a great feeling. And the role also saw me interact with lots of different patients. And it was such, um, again, like an amazing feeling to know that I'd done something to help these individuals. So this kind of led me to reflect on my career path. And I decided that I still wanted to work in the field of nutrition, but I now knew that I wanted to work in a clinical setting. Um, I then had the opportunity to work alongside a group of fantastic dietitians whilst I was working for a private nutrition company and listening to their work and everything they had achieved, I was instantly sold. So fast forward a year and I'm now just starting my second year of dietetics along with Zainab um, and loving every minute. Uh, so yeah, Neve, like how about you? What have you, um, you know, how did you get into dietetics? What's your journey been? Um, it's kind of similar in the sense that I did something else before, you know, similar to yourselves, I did something else before I went into it. Um, so I actually wanted to do dietetics when I was like 15 or 16. Um, and that was always the plan. And then I remember I went to a few like workshop days, um, with sort of NHS trust and in their dietitian department. And I remember just thinking like, I don't know whether this is for me. Um, you know, I just wasn't sure whether that hospital setting was right for me. So I went and did, it's completely different. I went and did a um, degree apprenticeship in business um, at it's kind of a, a well-known car company. And it was, it was really good. It was, you know, I had a nice income. I had a nice car. It was great. I had kind of like a really good time with it, but it just wasn't making me tick. Um, and no matter what kind of way you sold it to me, it just wasn't, I didn't find it interesting and it really got to that kind of point in so I think my second year of it and it was during COVID um so my sister works in the NHS and she's she's not clinical but she was drafted in with the uh during COVID to do a lot of like the, a lot of helping out behind the scenes and I remember I remember just thinking like she's having such an impact and doing so so much useful stuff and I'm working at home dealing with emails about scratches on people's cars and as bad as it sounds 
I just didn't care. And that's that, you know, that is the truth of it. And that wasn't anything to do with them, but it was just, it wasn't what was interesting to me. And I was thinking, oh, I just feel so bored. Um, I thought, you know what, I should have done dietetics. So I did a lot more research into it. And actually there's so much more than the clinical setting. Um, you know, and so that was that really, and just kind of that year after was focused on applying to dietetics um and you know doing the best of my apprenticeship but but moving on to that so I've kind of had a business kind of background and I've moved into this really um so I'm in my second year now it's gone really quickly so yeah and I think it's really common um I remember when I chose to do nutrition um dietetics was sort of in the background for me Mm. um but I was kind of like you I I didn't think I wanted to work in a hospital um I'd done some work experience before in a hospital and it's not like I disliked it I was just like "Mm, I'm just not sure that setting's for me um and I think like you when you have sort of more I guess life experience and you have other opportunities things sort of fall in place and actually like my opinion completely changed and what I wanted completely changed um which is obviously like so fine um and yeah so now we've sort of both both found it a bit later on so I think yeah and same as Zainab really so yeah I think it's interesting because you know you you often assume you know you go to university you do three years or four years or whatever it is and then you go out and you do career but there's, I mean, there's three of us here and probably a lot more who have done something else before and realise actually, you know, whether it's something similar or something completely different, um, that it is actually okay to come into it a little bit later on. Um, oh, totally. And I think there's always like so much of a, sorry, Zaina, I interrupted you there, but like so much of a stigma, like, mm-hmm. as you said, like everyone expects to just, you know, as you said, do it and then you're done, and then you're set. But actually like, it's okay to not, a to not know what you want or to think you know what you want and then actually change your mind um and I think you know like I'm going to be 26 27 by the time I graduate um which before freaked me out totally I was like oh my goodness like I'm gonna be starting my career so late then I thought you know what it's gonna be so worth it because I know this is the career I want so okay Mm -hmm. I've I've waited a couple more years but um yeah it's totally worth it sorry Zainab go ahead No, I was just going to say that I completely agree with you guys. You know, it's so interesting to see that we've all had different experiences, um, but we all are now studying dietetics and it's completely okay to not know what you want to do when you are studying your degree or your undergraduate degree on when you've just finished. I think there's a lot of pressure. You feel a lot of pressure at that time to know for sure that this is exactly what I want to do and then go straight into a job. I think it's completely okay to not know what you want to do and just allow your experiences to take you wherever you're going to enjoy your career the most. Mm, I think there's definitely a benefit as well to coming in, even if it's just one or two years later on than when you finish school, because you've got that little bit of life experience that's one allowed you to confirm actually yeah this is the right route for me um but you know even if it's just I know with me in my apprenticeship a lot of it was communication and a lot of it was strategy and although that's got absolutely nothing to do with nutrition as a science in terms of like the application of that to roles in dietetics particularly like the communication um you know it it all helps it all adds to it and it's all transferable so I think there's definitely I'm sure you know you you used to have examples as well um of things in your past past jobs are actually is really relevant so there is a an advantage going into it later definitely so 
So following on from that, for any RD2Bs listening, um, it'd be great to hear a little bit about sort of your application process, because obviously lots of people might be going through um, MSc applications or applying to, um, you know, the BSCs. So Katie, how, how about you? Um, yeah, so for anyone that might not know, um, unlike an undergraduate degree, um, for masters, you don't go through UCAS when applying, um, you go direct to the university. So um, again, for those who haven't started this process, um, uh, you sort of, UCAS is like a collective body where you sort of submit your personal statement and then you apply through the university's um, through UCAS for undergraduate. But as I said, for a master's, you don't do that. Um, but you do still need to write a personal statement. And again, for anyone that is yet to write one or come across one, it's pretty much a piece of writing where you showcase yourself. So it's your skills, your qualifications and your experiences. And you pretty much got to sell yourself to the university and tell them why you should be accepted on the course, why you'd be amazing, etc. You do have to pick yourself up a bit, which um, definitely never came naturally to me. I was like, oh, God, I never want to write any of this stuff. But you do. You have to sell yourself because nobody else will. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is that universities are looking for you to exemplify how all of your experiences, your skills, your qualifications, etc., can be applied to so we're talking about dietetics here. So how they can be applied to a dietetic setting and how they make you the right candidate. So, for example, um, when I was um, in school, I used to volunteer at my dance um, dance class and help teach younger children dance. So this taught me really valuable communication skills and communication skills are vital um, to have as a dietitian. So you're sort of linking that in and showing that the skills you learn in other parts of your life can be used to enhance your practice as a dietitian. Um, and this also kind of brings me on to my next point. I think a lot of people get worried that um, they don't have enough clinical experience um, for the role or for the course. And don't get me wrong, clinical experience is really valuable um, and it is amazing but it is really hard to come by and especially since covid um rules and regulations surrounding shadowing etc have all changed so great if you have had the opportunity to shadow a healthcare professional um but it's not the be all and end all and you um you can like draw on other experiences throughout your life um, to show that you've gained skills that will help you as a dietitian. So just like my volunteering um, or, you know, loads of other things like um, teamwork, et cetera, if you've been in like a difficult situation, all of these things um, can really help. No, I think that's interesting what you're saying about it doesn't always have to be health clinic related because let's be honest like it's not easy to come by um and I think you know the podcast is aimed for sort of RD to bs currently so I think even if it's looking at things to put on your cv those skills even if it's not relevant to health and clinical um work per se it's all relevant so any yeah. experiences like that they sound really good what about yourself Zainab? Um Neve I completely agree with you and KD um, personal statements are a very important part of an MSc dietetics application, and these can influence your chances of getting an interview. It's great if you can find an opportunity to work with dietitians or other healthcare professionals, but please also consider any other tasks that you may have undertaken that have helped you grow your skills and make sure to highlight these within your application. 
Um, I remember I used to volunteer at a community kitchen when I was studying my BSc and it really improved my ability to work in a fast-paced, busy environment, which I think is a very, very important skill to have as a dietitian. Um, Neve, was your experience much different to ours? How did you enhance your application? Um, mine was, it was very similar in the sense that I really had to make the most of looking at non-health and clinical related experiences because so I was working full-time in my apprenticeship um, and I was sort of writing my dissertation and it was COVID so the option of getting clinical or anything related to health was basically was out of the question so I really had to draw upon what what my experiences were and what you know outside of that um, so things like on my apprenticeship that fast-paced but a lot about time management um, the communication as well uh, things like that definitely um, and just sort of building on those really and even if I've been involved in a project I know my dissertation for my last degree the business degree was all about um, employee engagement and it had kind of a, a focus on on well-being particularly during covid so even something like that was slightly relevant and i could just talk loads about it so definitely knowing where to draw on in terms of your experiences was was definitely what i made the most of um i think as well a lot of it is just showing your passion i say just there's a, there's a way to do it i suppose but <laughs> showing your passion i think that's throughout the whole of your career not just you know if you're applying to university if you're applying for your first job um as a dietitian i think showing your passion showing why um and examples of that are, are a great way to enhance any application um as a student dietitian you know once we graduate as well definitely yeah, I agree um i think it's nice though that we all kind of talked about it's not just the health and clinical setting because you know they are really hard often hard to come by and i think in my experience as well i think people who've done the clinical experience a lot of the value that they got from that was confirmed them confirming to themselves that that was what they wanted to do because i think experience and clinical knowledge we can always we can always gain you're going to gain that on the degree so i think you know for any students or anyone trying to get extra clinical you know so don't worry too much look look beyond that as well mm. I mean I, I completely agree I think it is worth you know um as you said like knowing not knowing what you're getting yourself in for because it is like an amazing career path but it can be busy it can be stressful as, as I'm sure everyone can imagine in a hospital environment if that's where you choose to work it is it is busy mm -hmm. um you know you you do have days where you're literally you don't sit down you don't eat lunch you know yeah. it's, it's busy um but you know so I guess as you said having clinical experience and getting an insight into that um is helpful but exactly it's not it's not the be all and end all um and I'd say you know if you're doing your research before your degree you're going to get a feel for what a dietitian does and also as we'll sort of go on to speak later, I'm sure, dietitians don't just work in a hospital. There are so many other career paths for dietitians that, um, yeah, okay, a lot of people go into the NHS and work in a hospital or a clinic, et cetera, or, but there's also like community work, there's all sorts. So yeah, just just remember that it's, it's, not, it's not the end of the world if you don't have any clinical or like healthcare experience at all. Oh, lovely. So I am a BSc student, um, so I'd be interested to hear about your kind of MSc course um, and how that differs to, to what I'm studying. Um, let's have a look. Zainab, how about you go first? 
Um, so as I mentioned um, earlier that I only learned about the role of a dietitian or what a dietitian exactly does through my experience after I completed my BSc. So when I decided that this is what I wanted to pursue, I felt that an MSc route would be the best way forward for me, given that it was shorter in duration. It is, however, quite intense um, in comparison to a BSc because it's a two years course where you have to complete all the placements, all the learning modules, and there's a big research project. Um, so it can get quite busy in times and you will really need to put all of your multitasking skills to use. What about you, Katie? Um, so yeah, I definitely didn't plan to sort of go down this route of studying um, and I didn't necessarily plan to do three degrees um, and definitely for anyone out there that's you know thinking about it definitely you don't need to do that um I went a very convoluted route um but it's also okay like I'm you know I'm, I'm here now and I'm doing what I love but don't feel you have to <laughs> do it that way um so yeah I definitely could have gone more directly but as as Zainab said um it is quite an intense course doing a master's um but I think um you still you still get that like amazing I mean the amazing knowledge base that you get from doing any sort of degree is there um and yeah I, I guess the difference between MSc or BSc is, is probably like the pace of it the intensity um and you are you kind of going from an NSM for the MSc you are expected to have a bit more of a knowledge base I'd say um so I think I can't remember exactly what we had to have to get into this course but you had to have like a nutrition or like science background to get into the MSc in the first place um and I guess I don't know what BSc courses are like um but I know for sure MSc courses um it's like very it's quite competitive and there's only a few places on the course mainly because of placements when you do your course they put you um sort of they decide on placements and like give you options for placements um and they're hard to come by like they you can't always you know places can't always take that many students like the maximum we've ever had is like two at a time um so actually there's only five of us on our course um so I don't know what that compares to BSc but I do know that sort of generally the courses do tend to be quite small anyway um but yeah I think whatever whatever route you choose to go down um it'll be sort of the right one for you um and yeah, just enjoy it, I'd say. <laughs> oh, lovely. Thank you for that. It's, I mean, listening to that, it's very, very different to the BSc. Um, obviously, we come out, you know, graduate at the same, I suppose, the same level and the same knowledge and clinical skills. Um, but the BSc, I mean, my class, I can't speak for the universities, but my class is about 40, 40, I think. Um, and the placements are a lot more NHS based um, sort of, you know, they could be, I can't tell you exactly in terms of miles, but I want to say like 70, 80 miles kind of radius of where they could be, um, definitely. And I think the content is very much you start from the beginning. Um, and I think I needed that because although I'd only been out of A level for a few years, obviously my degree before wasn't science based. So I'd had, you know, I needed a little bit of brushing up on my respiration and stuff. <laughs> my crab cycle and all of that stuff which was fantastic so um but I definitely needed that so I think I know there's a couple of students on my course actually who would have qualified for the MSc mm -hmm. um they're a little bit older than me they would have qualified but they didn't because they said I just want that foundation of 
that, that foundation again of knowledge. So I think whatever way you go, MSc or BSc, whichever you qualify for, they're both they're both they're both really helpful in in different ways. Um, you know, it just depends what what time you want to be working with. I suppose I know my degree is actually unique in terms of the BSCs because most BSCs are about four years, but mine is three years, so it's a little bit more intense. Um, but yeah, they're very much. I think conclude that both 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 routes can give you the same skills and and knowledge. So you definitely just do what works for you. Oh, for sure. And I think if you're if you're worried about timing, you think, oh my goodness, like for example, need you coming in deciding to do like another BSc, you know, and if yours was four years, it's easy to be like, oh my goodness, four years, like, and like four years of studying, four years until I can actually start working, etc. Um, and it can be quite daunting. And I have to say that nearly, that nearly put me off just doing another two years. Um, but at the end of the day, what I think of is like two years out of the rest of your life doing something that you want to do um, and a career that will be so rewarding that can take you down so many avenues. So I think a piece of advice there, just if you are worried about embarking on further education or just like starting a degree or anything, um, don't be don't be overwhelmed or daunted by the fact that it's going to be a couple of years or, or maybe four um, because it, it will be worth it. So, yeah, don't don't let that put you off. <laughs> I think that's some really good advice there, Katie, because as we've already talked about our differences between a BSc and an MSc, we all know that you end up with the same sort of skill set and the knowledge and experience, but everyone has different circumstances and comes from different backgrounds. And I'd say whatever works for you is what you should go for and just not stress about um, the timing or how it compares to others. Um, I think that would be the best thing to do to just go for it. And I'm pretty sure it will be worth it. Like it has been worth it, so worth it for Katie and I. Um, and we're really enjoying our course at the moment. So I think I would just say, do not worry about the timing. Whatever works for you, just go for that and it will it will be worth it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you're saying this piece of advice, I'm thinking to myself, I need to take that advice because I, I mean, I'm really bad for like my toxic trait is like planning my life. Um, <laughs> it's really bad. It's I just, I do it all the time and I'm like, I need to plan my life. And sometimes I think to myself, I think, oh my gosh, I'm only 25 by the time I finish. Oh, that's so old. And then I have to check in with myself and people hear me say that and they go, Neve, you serious? Like 25, that's not, that's not old like that's like still the beginning of your career so I think sometimes I mean even I, I like you know even I need to tell myself that sometimes that actually it's it's not old that's that's perfectly normal um, I know I know one of my um one of my friends said to me the, the other day they said well if you think about it someone who does a medicine degree what's that like five years and then seven years before they get to a certain point I don't know the exact but I thought actually yeah although they're not doing a medicine degree like it is a it is a normal thing for people to do from being education for that long. So yeah, definitely. I agree with your, your bits of advice. And I take that from today <laughs> um, <laughs> bits of advice about not to worry about timing and things. Definitely. Um, so currently Zainab and Katie, you're both on placement with HRS communications, a little bit of a different placement. Um, it sounds really exciting. And I imagine it's very, very different to NHS placements. Could you tell me a little bit about your placements with HRS and sort of other non-clinical placements that you get up to? Um, yes, we are both currently on our placement 2B with HRS Communications. 
and it is every bit as exciting as it sounds. Um, let me just tell you about our placements first. So at UCL, we um, I know normally at universities, you're more familiar with placements A, B and C, but at UCL we have placements 1, 2A, 2B and then placement 3. So our placement B is essentially split up into two placements. Um, so we have already completed our placement 1 and placement 2A um, prior to this one and they were both within an NHS hospital setting. Um, I really enjoyed both of those placements, but I was especially looking forward to this one at HRS Communications because it is not your traditional dietetic placement that is offered at many universities. Um, so, for example, so far, I've had the opportunity to work on some very exciting projects, um, including social media content and marketing strategies. And these are things that we don't normally get to do in a clinical setting. Um, and working with dietitians in this setting has also, I'd say it's also opened my eyes to how diverse the role of a dietitian can be. Um, so dietitians, you know, they don't, you don't have to work in a hospital um, or in a community clinic. There's so many other career pathways that a dietitian can take. Um, I will let Katie share her experience with you and also tell you about the other non-clinical placements that our course offers. Yeah, so um, completely agree with Zainab. I really, really enjoyed the clinical placements, um, learned so much, not just in terms of like the science, but also, you know, time management and how to find your way around a hospital and, you know, like all, all of those sorts of things, um, like where the dietitians go to when they're not seeing a patient, you know, all like all those things that you think, Oh my God, that sounds so silly, but actually like, you know, really important. Um, but as Zainab said, um, I was also really looking forward to this placement because um, I've had a bit of experience working in this sort of setting, but not really from a dietitian's point of view. And it has been amazing, as Zainab said, to learn and to sort of just get a feel for what dietitians can do outside of a hospital um, and I have definitely learned so much especially sort of in relation to marketing verbal and written communication social strategies etc um, and I think it's it's really opened my eyes I I think um, I am probably still on the path to do um, a clinical go into sort of like a clinical role but 100% will keep my options open and now I know what sort of um you know work that is out there I would definitely be interested to you know maybe later in my life like when a hospital setting isn't right for me um yeah I think I would love a role in this in this sort of setting um and we're really lucky at UCL we were offered it's thanks to our two tutors actually um who do all the legwork for us but they managed to um get some really great um placement opportunities for us so um Zainab and I are with HRS um but we've also um got one of the students working at charity we've got someone at a technology company like a health technology company um and then also someone at a governmental organization so really really diverse and I think it just goes to show that dietitians have a place in, in so many sectors and, and roles so yeah super super interesting 
It sounds like both of your eyes have really been opened to having a non-clinical placement. I think that's kind of the way things are going, isn't it? That the placements are a bit of both, a bit of NHS and a bit of bit of non-clinical or clinical in a private setting. Um, so that's really interesting. I think even if universities don't have, you know, the capacity to do that and have, you know, are able to send students on on non-clinical placements, I think it's definitely shows that it's worth pursuing opportunities like that outside the degree. Um, even if it's just I don't know, a private dietitian, can I have a chat with you? Or is there any shadowing work? Or, you know, sometimes they do internships now, don't they? Where it's, you know, three months and I'll mentor you, but help me out with admin and I'll show you how it works kind of thing. So I think it's definitely worth pursuing just to open your eyes really. And, you know, pursuing the non-clinical placements and and experiences alongside the degree as well. Definitely. Um, so I think, you know, all of our journeys are slightly different, but one thing we've got in common is we are all very busy. Um, how do you manage your time, Katie and Dana, and have you got any tips for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, definitely. We are definitely busy. That is a common theme. Um, I mean, throughout our degree, but I think especially um, the dietetics degree. Um, but for me, the key, it sounds really obvious, but it's just to stay organized and stay on top of things. Um, I'm a massive fan of using a diary or a calendar or even just a list separated out into, into days. Um, and I'll sort of schedule in various tasks for different days. For me, if I have like a massive long list of everything I need to do, I spend more time worrying about when I'm going to do everything and like forgetting things and missing deadlines. And then I actually just don't get anything done at all, um, which is, yeah, just not very productive. So um, I tend to sort of look at my week and then put each task in a day so that I know I can get it done and it will be done for the deadline. But then when you come to each day, all you've got is, you know, two or three things on that list. And I'm not worrying about everything else because I know that's sorted. I know I'll get around to it and it will be done when it needs to. Um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of how. I like to do things um, and yeah, just, just staying on top of it, I think, and just, it, it takes getting used to it. If that doesn't, it comes quite naturally to me. I, I'd say, I think I'm quite organized, but if it doesn't come naturally to you, it does, it does take a while and it does require a bit of effort just to sort of like motivate yourself to stay organized. But I definitely recommend it in the long run, you will thank yourself for, for, you know, getting your ducks in a row. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's, that's my top tip. Yeah, I'm definitely all about having a diary or something or a to-do list. I love a bit of stationery. Love that. Anything like any pretty stationery to organise my time, I'm I'm there for. Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, it gives great excuse to go and buy some some exactly. nice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Zainab, how about you? Oh yeah, I I think what helps me is very similar to Katie. I really find it useful to take a piece of paper in the morning and write a to-do list and then I just check things off as I complete them throughout the day but the key here is to be realistic with your list um, and by that I mean prioritize your tasks and try to keep it short so you don't get too overwhelmed like Katie was mentioning um, because we're already so busy with our studies and if we just write down a long list of tasks that we need to do, it can just get very, very overwhelming and we just may end up too stressed and not be able to accomplish anything. So try and avoid long to-do lists. Um, another thing that I think really helps me to sort of stay focused and make the most of my time is making an effort to schedule regular breaks within my day, to 
And these don't have to be long breaks, even like a five or 10 minute break um, to either just go out on a walk or just do some cooking or anything else that will help me recharge. And that way I go back to my task list feeling much more refreshed and motivated to just get it all done. How about you, Neve? Yeah, it's very similar, really. I like what you said about sort of doing things in chunks and not overwhelming yourself. Um, and even just a five minute break works wonders. Um, I think there's two really recently, and this is actually only a recent thing for me, yeah, is uh, having a lot more discipline. So a classic example, I was writing my essay and it was on cardiovascular disease and prevention. And I was writing about the importance of physical activity. Um, and I was writing it and I was like, right, I'm going to go on the treadmill today. I'm going to go on the treadmill. <laughs> Did I go on the treadmill? No. Did I sit in my laptop for, was it like six, seven hours? Really bad. It was awful. And I was just, you know, I thought the irony of it, like I actually used to take my own advice. So since then I started putting alarms in and being like, right, treadmill or walk or I don't know, run up another stairs or something. Um, <laughs> just to have that discipline, because otherwise I know that because I'm, I'm very kind of, I want to get it done. I want to get it done. And sometimes you have to just have that, you know, ability ability to say no to yourself sometimes and say no. You you know you've got to look after yourself. Um, you know, as blunt as that sounds. Um, but I think another thing for me, and I can't remember where I learned this, is organizing tasks in like a matrix kind of thing. So I'll put at the top of a page or like a whiteboard, like urgent and not urgent, and then at the sides I'll put um important not important or less important or something and then I've got like four boxes on a spectrum ranging from important and urgent to not important not urgent so and then what I'll do is I'll put tasks in there and, and organize them like that so that I know okay this thing that's due tomorrow that I haven't done <laughs> needs to be done but actually something is due in four weeks I can relax about that and clear it from my mind for a little bit so they're probably my bits of advice um, and they all come down to the same thing really don't they just managing your time and doing doing things in chunks and doing what's manageable definitely absolutely lovely so obviously we're all on a massive journey is there anything you wish you'd known before you began um honestly I just wish I had known how fun and exciting this journey was going to be so that I could have started out a bit less stressed and anxious when I began um, Katie and I were among the very first MSc dietetic students at UCL last year, so you can imagine how nervous we were in the first few weeks. Yeah, definitely. We were we were so nervous. <laughs> we were absolutely wrecked. But um, yeah, I think yeah, it's um, I, I completely agree with Zainab. It's I have already made such amazing friends. Um like they'll be lifelong now and I know that we'll continue to support each other through it um and it, like within that within that sort of theme I wish I'd known how much support there is out there um whether that be like your uni tutors and I think you know on that point Zainab and I are really really lucky I'd hope this is the same for other universities but our our two tutors so I will mention their names because they are like an amazing two people so Dr Adrian Brown and Dr Effie Papada they have been amazing they are they are like our dietetic parents honestly um and they they have given us so much time and support um and I really sort of invested in us as people as well you know um so that that's been amazing um also on your placement you have supervisors they're amazing they you know you're so conscious that 
um you're taking up their time and they have to you know like supervise you and you know make sure you're doing everything okay and it, it takes quite a lot of effort from them um but they they at the end of the day they want you to do well they want to make sure they're they're you know sort of I guess raising future dietitians um so yeah and then obviously as I said support from each other you're always there there'll be some things that you find easier than your peer and and vice versa so um yeah everyone wants you to do well and for you to be successful so please don't be afraid to speak out even if you think it's a really silly issue like if you're on placement and you're saying like oh my god I've no idea where I should be eating lunch don't stress about that you know like ask because everyone will have that first day experience so yeah I think don't be afraid to ask yeah definitely I think it's important to you know to remember that it is such a small supportive community um I think I think that's probably my thing that I didn't know is that how supportive and how how small and and nice the community is you know there's always opportunity for help there's always opportunity to ask somebody you know you know can you assist me with this or can I have some advice or a little bit of mentoring and so yeah definitely that's definitely that's really nice and like we said about lifelong friends it's always nice when that happens isn't it <laughs> definitely yeah. lovely so our chat together is coming to a close today but I'd love to hear about your three favorite things about dietetics Zainab what are your three well the first one has to be food <laughs> being a true foodie uh, and I think all of us being dietitians can say that we all love food um I just love that I get to talk about food all day um my second favorite thing about dietetics that it is a very rewarding profession for me nothing compares to the feeling of knowing that I've been able to help someone and bring a positive change in their life um and my third favorite thing about dietetics is that no day in this profession is ever the same Um, You're constantly learning new things and growing your skills while working with other incredible dietitians and healthcare professionals, which I think is really amazing. Yeah, and I think for me, in terms of my sort of um, three best bits, so I love being able to take scientific research um, and sort of translating this into consumer or patient-friendly information that can be used by everyone in their everyday lives. Um, I think that's like a really sort of amazing part um, of our job. Secondly, I love working with such a diverse range of professionals. Um, It's not only like the satisfaction of that sort of like camaraderie but also you get to learn so much from different people you know um and I think there's such a big thing about sort of upskilling and like um sort of like cross-working within professions so it's um that's that's really great and lastly for me I think this is probably the biggest driver of why I sort of want to go into healthcare. Um, there is no better feeling than when you know you help someone and made a positive difference to their life um you know whether that's that's really small showing them you know how you know to make a specific recipe or whether that's you know genuinely saving their life um it's there is no better feeling and uh yeah that's that's what makes dietetics amazing for me that's really nice and it's nice to hear that you know there are some really true benefits to dietetics and I think there's it's quite unique in that aspect isn't it you know it's that that camaraderie you were saying about um is because we're such a small profession that we're able to have that and I think that's that's a really nice thing isn't it yeah definitely 
Lovely. So Katie and Zainab, Abbott, it's been wonderful talking to you and hearing about your experience and advice to other RDTBs. Thank you so much for joining me. I think what we've learned today is that even though we all come from different backgrounds and walks of life, ultimately we are all in the same boat as RDTBs. The journey to becoming a dietitian is rewarding, but no doubt is a challenging one. So it's really lovely to know that we all face similar challenges. So really, we are never alone and we are all in this together. Now I'll pass you over to Megan to share some info to go on the student dietitian journey. Megan, it's over to you. Thanks, Neve. Hi, everyone, and welcome to info to go I'm Meg, and in this bite-sized segment, I aim to engage with you, our listeners and fellow RDGBs, to share ideas, experiences and questions relating to all aspects of being a student dietitian. I'll also be sharing some tools and resources with you so that you can go on to further develop your knowledge after listening to the podcast and keep up with your continued professional development. In the last episode of the podcast, I asked you, the listeners, what your top tips for other students studying dietetics would be. It was great to hear back from you and have so many great responses. Some of your top tips were... Make sure to pay attention in biology lectures to ensure that you have the basics ingrained in. This will help loads later on when studying and in your career as a dietitian. Another suggestion was to remember the patient's journey before they arrived in front of you. I think this is a great one and something that can be easy to forget as students as we're trying to get through the consultation and make sure that we remember all of the basics and ask all of the right questions. It can sometimes be difficult to take a moment to consider what the patient has been doing before they've come to sit next to you. The final top tip is to get organised. Start thinking about assessments and deadlines well in advance. Write them down, create a timetable and see where your gaps are in the day. And as, as assessments tend to be clumped together, starting early on assessments and just chipping away at them slowly will reduce your workload at the end of the year and hopefully and alleviate any pressure and need to cram. I think there's some really great tips and I know they would have really helped me at the start of my studies, but are something I still need reminded of now in my final year. So thank you so much to those students that responded to last month's listener questions. Now for this month's listener question, If, like Katie and Zainab, you have been on a non-clinical or virtual placement, then I would love to hear from you to find out what your experience was like. I'd love to know what you enjoyed about your placement, what different skills you gained, or how it compared to a clinical placement. If you would like to share some of your experiences, then you can email or message a soundbite to newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com. It would be great if I could then share some of your experiences in the next episode to allow other RD2Bs to gain insight into what placements are like outside of clinical settings. This week's follow recommendations, I would like to start off with our today's guests, Katie and Zainab. You can find Zainab on Twitter at Zainabs263 or Katie on Twitter as well is KatieAvis4. Katie also co-runs an Instagram account called e.k.nutrition where she shares useful nutrition information and recipe ideas. If you're a student or prospective student I would also recommend following this year's BDA student rep Ellen. You can find Ellen at Dietitian Ellen on Instagram and when she was on placement she shares weekly updates on her experiences and she shares lots of infographics on everything from what counts as your five a day to how to boost your dietetics application. Another great one to follow is the Nutri Tribe, 
They've created a community of both student and qualified dietitians on Instagram and Facebook, and they regularly share information about opportunities that are available to students and new graduates. If you would like to hear more stories from both registered and student dietitians sharing their journey into dietetics and what they love most about it, then I would recommend following at Dietitian Set, as it's run by students who are raising awareness of what dietitians do in, as a profession. Not all placements and experiences within dietetics need to be clinical, and you can gain so much experience and knowledge doing things outside of the traditional CPD. For example, you could volunteer for local food banks or other local charities to gain experience working with people and helping out your community. You could also try making new recipes and foods from different cultures or try eating things that you wouldn't normally have or even just looking around the shops to see what foods are available that you wouldn't normally go for. This will be invaluable when speaking to patients as you will have a wider background knowledge to make suggestions around what foods they could eat. Another thing you could try is learning some basic sign language or looking into different methods of communication that you could use. This will not only develop your knowledge and skills, but may improve the connections you're able to develop with patients if you're able to communicate with them more effectively. There are so many other things that you could do and looking out for opportunities available in your university or within your local community is a great place to start. Your university may even have an email, website or volunteer team that advertise available opportunities. So have a look and see what's available to you. Some important dates that are coming up in the next month. On the 14th of November, it's World Diabetes Day and this year's theme is Access to Diabetes Care. So November is the perfect time to develop your knowledge on diabetes and help raise awareness of it. If you want to find out more about World Diabetes Day and how you can get involved, then I will link the official World Diabetes Day website in the show notes. On the 1st of December, it's World AIDS Day. The World AIDS Day campaign is encouraging people to rock the ribbon and wear a red ribbon and raise awareness of HIV. You can find out more information on their website, which we linked in the show notes. Or additionally, you can, if you want to learn more about HIV and the role of dietitians in that care, then you can listen to the episode on the Main Dietitian Cafe podcast with Luke White, a specialist HIV dietitian working at the Food Chain Charity where they discuss the role of nutrition in HIV care. And that episode will also be linked in the show notes. For more information about anything that I've mentioned today, please check out the show notes. If you know of any exciting CPD opportunities for students that are coming up or are getting involved in any of the awareness days or volunteer opportunities that I've mentioned, then I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email at newultrapodcast at hrscommunications.com. And that's all the info to go for today's episode. So I'll hand back over to Neve in the main cafe. Thanks, Megan. They sound like some fantastic social media accounts to follow. I'm sure many current and potential RD2Bs would really benefit from getting involved with these. I would like to say a huge thank you once again to New Altra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Dietitian Cafe RD2B podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a review or five-star rating so that we can reach even more RD2Bs. You can also follow New New Altra on social media at New Altra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening and our next episode will be out soon.